everyone. Welcome to the Make Life Matter podcast. I'm your host, Angela Donatio, Bible study author, adventure junkie, and founder of Voice of the Voiceless, empowering women in Africa. Join me here every week for inspiring conversations on discovering miracles in life's messy moments. Here's this week's episode. Welcome back to your go-to podcast for anyone who is craving fresh ways to apply God's word to your everyday life. Through these inspiring interviews each week, we are seeing how our ordinary and even messy moments become platforms for the miraculous. And today I am with my special guest, Ruth Coghill. She is a former teacher and sales executive, an international speaker, author, and founder of Words to Inspire, Lifelong Empowerment from God's Word. This ministry exists to provide resources. They strengthen people's faith and the empowerment through the Word of God. So for several years, Ruth hosted her own radio show, which aired in Ontario, and presently she's airing on Hope Stream Radio each Sunday. She's traveled globally to share the love of God and his word, teaching and speaking in so many places. And I'm going to have her share about a few of those places in just a moment. Presently, she's completing the fourth Bible study in a series called the Wow Series, Women of Worth. And each study is four lessons for the time-constrained woman. Hallelujah. I need that. Thank you, Ruth. <laughs> well, the first in this series, Women of Worth, has an accompanying teaching DVD and has been translated into three languages, Spanish, Nepalese, and Mandarin. I can want to hear a little bit more about that. She has a vivacious personality. Her love of life and people bring such a transparency that it's both inspiring and empowering to audiences everywhere. She's married to Bob and together they have four adult children and 13 grandchildren. They live in Ontario, Canada. So welcome, Ruth. I'm so honored to have you today. Thank you, Angela. It is a delight to be with you. And we have a mutual, I hate to say acquaintance, because I've actually only met her over the podcast, but Cindy Wilkins, who was a guest earlier on the Make Life Matter podcast, I believe is a good friend of yours, right? She is a good friend. And now we're partnering actually and doing some uh, videos and online podcasts for uh, SOTI. We call it SOTI. Her ministry is Shine On and mine is Words to Inspire. So we put those two together and come up with Soti. I love that. that. And and her story is unbelievable. And you have so much to share. I love that you're a teacher of the word. I am as well. I'm a Bible study author. So our hearts are kindred spirits. So, you know, this is my first kind of opportunity to, to get to know you and be connected through Cindy. So for people who don't know much about you, I'd love for you to just tell us a little bit about you. And I skipped over all these amazing places that you visited, but maybe share some of your travels with us as well. Well, one of my favorite places and a place that I go regularly now is Nepal. Uh, Nepal is a beautiful little country right at the, at the tip top of India. And I met a gal from there in 2009 when I was speaking there. We've become friends. And now our ministry, Words to Inspire, is now in Nepal. We have four, no, actually we have six leaders now that are teaching the WOW series. Wow. And by one, they're being translated into Nepalese. So it's exciting to see what God is doing with these women, giving them opportunity to come to Christ 
an amazing, amazing country where God is moving and people are coming to the Lord by, well, now we're at 2.5 million, whereas 60 years ago, there were only 30 known Christ followers. Wow, what a what a frontier that you are just um, blazing a trail there. Walk us kind of through your life and, and how God has used you in such mighty ways. Well, <laughs> you know, we have long stories, so I'll give you the shortened version. <laughs> but I grew up in a pastor's home and, um, and was taught very young to love God and to memorize the word. Memorizing was a big thing in our home. Hmm. And um, daily devotions included, you know, down on the knees praying and dad always made sure that we were well-disciplined in the word. And so for 10 years, my dad pastored, but he succumbed to mental illness when he was 45. Hmm. I was 15 years old. And so I was incredibly uh, out of kilter and, and just could not fathom how my wonderful husband could, could succumb to this mental illness, which, which rendered uh, him incapable of pastoring past that age. Mm. And so for 31 years, he memorized, but he was never able to preach again. The um, medication necessary to keep his chemical imbalance under control was too strong for him to be able to function well. Aww. So for 31 years, he, he read the Bible, he walked around town, he, he exercised, but it was a very, very difficult challenge to watch. And I began, I never walked away from God, but I sure could not understand this. I didn't mm. know anybody that loved God more. And yet, you know, there were Christians that questioned his even whether or not he was walking with the Lord or whether there was mm. sin in his life and all those mental Ill, illness things. And wow. so it was really, it was challenging. And yet, and yet I loved my dad. Sometimes I was very afraid of him because of his illness, but I loved him. And as I got older and um, got married and began to look back on, on his life, I realized how much he had sacrificed for, for me. Hmm. And how much that he had poured his love for God's word. And I know that that's where it began. And when I looked at my mom and dad and what they had come through together, uh, I could not comprehend that they could have even made it. If they could hmm. not have even stayed together as a couple had they not been founded on God's word. Hmm. It was the only thing that held them. And so I began memorizing and I had so many incredible experiences as a, a lover of memorizing, even in my early marriage. I too went through a time of depression hmm. and discovered that I couldn't hold it all together either, that I, even though I thought if I was smart enough and if I tried hard enough, Mental illness would never touch me, but it did hmm. in a different way. It, uh, mine was not a chemical imbalance. Mine was totally and completely believing lies until I became a victim of those lies. Hmm. And so that's a bit of the reason that I started the WOW series because I just was so, I, I couldn't believe how I allowed myself with not even a chemical imbalance to get to the place that I had to resign from teaching that year. 
Mm. spend the rest of the year. So when I finally got on my face before God, I couldn't stand myself any longer. And I just said, God, if you'll get me out of this depression, I'll do anything you want me to do. And I knew it had to do with his word. Mm. And so that was kind of the beginning. I didn't know what the, what the uh, life was going to look like or anything like that. But I knew that I had to get into God's word. You know, when I prayed that prayer on the floor that day in my little apartment in North Bay, Ontario, I thought there would be some maybe lightning or thunder <laughs> or I'd hear a voice from heaven or mm. something like that. But nothing like that happened, Angela. It was silent. And that kind of bothered me as well, that God was silent. Mm. Years later, Angela, when I was thinking about that silence, I learned a great life lesson. It wasn't that God was silent. It was that he had already given me lots of instructions for my life. Hmm. And I was not following any of them. I was not reading my Bible. I was not memorizing. I was, not, I was going to church. I mean, we prided ourselves in going to church. Both Bob, and, uh, both Bob and I are pastor's kids. You know, we carried our Bibles under our arms. But there was no relationship there. Hmm. And so that lesson that I learned was that unless we are doing those things that we've already been called to, hmm. being in the word, praying, allowing God to lead our lives, he just lets us, and he waits for us. Hmm. And I've, I've learned so much in my own call that if, if I'm not seeing things happening in in where I want to go in my life, where the call is taking me, uh, that always comes back to me. So Ruth, are you doing already what I've told you? You already know these things. I've already called you to those things. Mm. And, uh, and so it's a great checkup from the neck up because if you've <laughs> <laughs> I love that, a checkup from the neck up. I love it. If you are believing lies, then you're not into God's word and taking his mm. truth. He's already shown that to us. And I'm not talking about brand new believers. I'm talking about those of us that have been on the way for a while and we've learned some of these truths. But God was just bringing me to a new level mm. of trust in him, but also making sure that obedience was number one, loving mm. him with my whole heart, my whole mind, my whole, the whole being. So then we began having children after this depression was over and I did go back teaching. Thank the Lord had to get back into the word and I knew that I had to start reading and studying. So I've been doing that for many years. So we had mm. three children. We always wanted four, but um, they didn't, uh, the fourth one didn't come along. <laughs> and so um, when I was, um, when our oldest boy was 16, oh dear. It was a shock. Hmm. Uh, we called it a surprise at the time, but really it was more of a shock. So I went, wasn't feeling well in the morning. We went to visit a friend and I was singing at a wedding in another town. And so we were staying with Elizabeth and we went into the kitchen when we got there. We were going to be staying with her for the weekend. And I walked up to her refrigerator and on her refrigerator, it was obvious that she had just celebrated her 40th birthday so I was congratulating her and I read 
these words. I would rather be 40 than pregnant. Mm. And I said, oh, God, I'm both. (laughs) (laughs) But I was over 40. And so, um, so this was... Our fourth child came at a very inconvenient time. I was already to go back teaching and so on. And, uh, but here is the part of the story that gave me the passion for the book that I want to share with you today. Mm. During the time, the, during the time, uh, early stages of pregnancy, my obstetrician wanted me to go for testing. There were some concerns. And um, so they wanted us my husband and I to be in the right hospital, you know, heart problem goes to, to Toronto sick mm, kids. Yeah. Uh, other yeah. go to London, Ontario. We were living in Southwestern Ontario at the time. So we went for our testing and, um, when after the testing was done, we were sent into a room for some counseling and some, some instructions. And as we sat there, my husband and I together, the doctor, counselor proceeded to share with us that we could now decide whether or not we continued the pregnancy. Mm. And I really, I literally stopped up my ears inwardly because I, I could not even bear the thought of hearing that word abortion. I couldn't. Mm. And so on the way home that day, I asked my husband, were we offered an abortion in that time together with him? with that doctor counselor. And he said twice. Mm. And I was so glad that my husband had been with me, but what happened when we went home and I couldn't get that out of my mind. It, it was just not in my frame of reference. We had three beautiful children, Mm. 16, 14 and eight years old. And I'd never been asked that. Was it just because of my age? What was Mm -hmm. this all about? So I really started thinking about it. And uh, then I began to wonder, what, what would I have done if Bob hadn't been with me? Hmm. What if I hadn't had somebody that loved me that was going to raise this child? What if I, and all of these questions started coming to my mind. But I let it go, and a beautiful boy was born. Well, last January the 8th, 2019, this son, Alexander James, he and his wife delivered their first baby boy. Wow. And I stood there 30 years later and I looked at our son holding his little boy. And it was as if God spoke volumes. This is your blessing for choosing life. Hmm. Hmm. And I came home from that hospital last January, and I knew that I had to tell my story. And over the years, I'd had several women come to me from my church Hmm. and others that had said, would you tell my story? I can't tell it. I've had an abortion. I can't even talk about it. And so uh, I just had this burning passion. I was getting up at three o'clock in the morning and saying, okay, Lord, what do we do now? How do we put Mm. together this kind of a book? How do we do a collection of stories of people that have had abortion impact their life? I've never had one, but that word abortion never was the same after I was offered one. Mm. And so 
uh, started asking God, where are the people that I need to tell these stories? And um, my, my editor, the one that edits all my Bible studies, I called her and I said, you know, what do you think about this idea? She said, can I be a part of it? Hmm. And so we partnered. She's the uh, editor and co-author. Uh, she, she edited every story in this book. God had called her some time ago to do something about the abortion issue. So we came together. And then, all right, who's going to publish this book? I called the publisher that I'd been using and the girl that the project manager that we finally did use. She said, I don't know whether you're going to use us to publish or not, but I want to be part of this project. So I've, I really sensed early on that there was a need that people were wanting to do something and it wasn't for me to do all by myself, that, mm. there, were, that there were people that wanted to come along and sure. make a difference. I mean, you're in the US and I'm in Canada and our narrative of abortion is astounding. Mm. And so I began to say, Lord, is there anything I could do with this book, with these stories that could help change the narrative? That began my prayer and God just said, watch me because mm. I knew he was directing this. And so what my editor told me would take a year and a half to compile to get that many people to put together in a story would be a year and a half. And we did it in less than four months. Oh, wow. That was the getting the stories together, editing and the publishing was, it was just a miracle. So definitely it was a God book. And the book is called Unborn Untold, True Stories of Abortion and God's Healing Grace. And the stories are absolutely amazing. Mm. Every story has God's word woven through it, how God met them, uh, whether they had an abortion or whether they were, their, their uh, parents were offered to abort them, they, mm. they were born. So every story has that component that abortion had touched their lives. As we were working through the book, I, I started remembering a woman, a senior in my Bible study, I was teaching precept at the time, and oh my, what a beautiful lady. I loved her. But one day she came to me and said that she wanted to talk to me privately. So we set up a time. She came to my house, and she began to pour out her heart. And she said, please tell my story. She'd had an abortion 50 years before and had never told anyone. Wow. And so her story was a key motivator in the introduction of the story. What she said to me was she was engaged to the man whose baby she carried. And they loved each other very much. And he wanted the baby, but she did not. Mm. And so she aborted his, his baby. And they stayed together for a little while, but eventually that relationship broke up and she never saw him again. And when I, I read the notes that I had made when she asked me to tell the story, I began to think, I wonder what happened to him. Hmm. He wanted that baby. And then I went to church that following Sunday and I looked around and I thought, if there are women in here that have aborted the babies, that woman did not get pregnant by herself. Right. There was a man there. Right. And I began to wonder, are there any men in this pews that are hurting? 
And so I, I mm-hmm. said, let's include some stories of men. So we have four stories from men in mm. the book. And uh, Randy's story touches my heart so often because it was a bit of the reversal uh, of uh, the, the um, Rebecca's story that I just mentioned. Randy wanted his baby so badly too and mm. um, begged and pleaded to keep his baby. And, uh, but his girlfriend didn't want to keep his baby. And so Randy went through a very, very difficult process of grief, mm. which he, we include a lot of it in the story. And um, Randy wrote a little song. He knew it was a boy. He wrote a song that we've included a part of that in the book. Hmm. But I just talked with Randy a month ago, and he has written a new song for Daniel. Oh. I'd love to share it with that. anybody that would like to hear Daniel's song, um, which is the revised Daniel song. And the reason I bring this up, Angela, is because the song shows, this new revised song shows the process where Randy is now, where he talks about seeing his son in heaven where he talks about knowing him. He doesn't know him here, but how he's going to know him in heaven. Mm. And it just showed the beautiful process that God had taken him through over these years and how God's healing power Mm. was what made the difference for Randy in his story. Wow. And and I mean, there's not a lot that I've heard of, of anyone even doing what you're doing. And there has to be something so... I don't even know what the word is. Maybe you could speak to it. What it must mean for these women and men to be able to put their story on paper, maybe for some of them who never shared it. Did you find it to be cathartic, healing? I feel like what God has has asked you to steward, to steward these stories is such a beautiful and... and um, treasured thing in the heart of God. And so I'm just curious, as you're sharing this, what could you see that it meant for these women and men to be able to have their story told? That is such a great question, Angela. And I have a fresh story uh, of Sharon. Hmm. Sharon's story is in the book, but when, when I asked her if she would write her story, she wasn't ready for her name to be known, her real name. So she goes by Nora Smith in the book. But I just interviewed her just last week, and now she wants her name identified. She said that writing the story was a whole different layer of of healing, and and she is so grateful. So once she got through writing the story, I was in her area, in her city, going to be speaking at a, a large church there, presenting the book last fall. And I asked her if she would be willing to come and read her story. It's easier to read your story than to tell your story. Wow. And so this was huge for her. And, but we prayed about it and she said, I'm ready. I want to do this. Well, interviewing her after being at that service, she said she had women coming up to her and saying that they'd kept this secret all those years too, never told anybody. Mm. And now she was giving them the courage to come forward and tell their stories because what she said, she had to own what she had done. Mm. When she first told her 
her story, when people asked her how many children she had, she would say three, but I miscarried the first because she could not say the word abortion. Mm -hmm. Now, Sharon's story is amazing because she married the father of the mm. aborted baby wow. and they've gone on and I, I know God's going to do something with them as a couple because this does not often happen but but um she said that that uh owning that word and saying that she had murdered her child hmm. was such a step of healing now we don't use that word in the book i don't think but she did use it on my podcast mm. she said i had to own that and then once she had owned that and taken responsibility then you know what it is that you're dealing with and what you're asking for forgiveness for and how then god can enter into that because it's mm. not a miscarriage mm. that she and could not identify it as the lie and get forgiveness. It's so beautiful how she unfolds her story. God's going to take her places. And uh, I mean, she spoke in front of about a, a thousand people. And as I hear you say that, and I have the privilege of seeing your face, I wish all of our listeners could see your, your uh, face glows as you talk about these women. And I really see you, Ruth, as a bridge between these women and men who were bound by shame and right. secrets. Secrets are so destructive of any kind that we, that our soul bears like a wound that doesn't heal. And so the, the, what you are giving these men and women and so many more that will read their stories who have walked through millions and millions and millions of abortions just in the United States alone and so I say that and I feel my, my, I feel mm. myself getting emotional mm. saying that because of the women who feel like they have no other choice, you know? And so the lies you talk about and how this book kind of brings even your own story for full circle that so yeah. many women, I know I've seen it and I know you've seen it in your life. So many women deal with shame they deal with lies of the enemy and not only the lies that maybe led them to a decision like an abortion, but then how the enemy lies to us after we've acted on something, uh, we've had an affair, we've hidden that, we've had an abortion, we've done something that then we live with this secret shame. And the and that is the enemy's playground, for lack of a better word. He 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 breathes on that he prays on that and so if we can bring those things out into the light even if it's simply a woman reading your book that can make peace with where she has believed the lies of the enemy and now step into freedom i i just can't think of anything more beautiful what a beautiful gift that you have given not only these men and women but but others maybe you're listening today and this is your story you know, I just want to encourage you to pick up a copy of the book. I'm going to put it in my show notes because God wants every woman, every man to experience freedom, right? Ruth, freedom, yes. restoration, yes. redemption, complete, complete restoration from any lie that has been sown. And I, I know you're making your life matter for the kingdom in so many ways. And, and, uh, and I just want to thank you for what you are doing. Share with us some ways people can connect with you. And then I'm going to invite you to pray over our listeners at the end of, at the end of our conversation. 
I'd love to. My website is wordstoinspire.ca and uh, there's some good, good um, material on there, some blogs and so on. And then my Facebook, my uh, Words to Inspire, Lifelong Empowerment from God's Word, Facebook page, and I also have a personal page, Ruth Coghill. And I would love to hear from any of your listeners that still have a story to tell, mm. because we do have a Facebook closed uh, page for those that still want to connect with others who are hurting from abortion. Mm. And, and, and if they would just contact me, I would connect them to the right source so they would get to that closed page. And uh, it, people that have read the book are on that page and then new stories are now being put on that page mm. so that we can make further connections because there are so many beside mm. us in church, even Angela. Mm that, you know, the pastors don't know. The mm. people don't know how to pray. So I, I would just love to hear from your listeners and we can connect again. And any way that I can help your listeners mm. in this journey. Sometimes I even feel like I was created and born for this book and mm. what's coming from it. Because I thought it was going to be a political book our elections last year in Canada were in October and I thought that's why the call was to have it done by September but the more I have thought and prayed about it God has asked me to share the stories mm -hmm. and let the stories be the determining factor of how you feel now about abortion mm. And what I love, Ruth, before you pray, and if there's anything else you want to share, please do. But when you even mentioned the name of your ministry, Words to Live by Lifelong Empowerment, I think of the way the world defines empowerment of women. And we think of my right, it's my body, it's my right to choose, and how the world has taken that word empowerment to even fuel the lie that we believe as women. But true empowerment is to define your worth by the word of God. And that is the freedom that you are offering through this book, through your messages. And, and I, will, I will fight tooth and nail for that message until I die to say, listen, women, you are empowered most when you find your identity in who Jesus says you are, not the narrative of the world. We can change the narrative, Ruth. One story at a time, we can change the narrative, right? Yes, yes. Uh, Angela, I just want to share this story with you as we're closing off today. Jane, beautiful senior lady, just met her in our new area here. When I shared with her about my grandson, my new grandson, being born to the son that we were offered to abort, she looked at me and she said, have I got a story for you? She had just been in Australia two years before in 2017. And to be with her dying parents, with her aging parents that were in her, their 90s, she hadn't had a good relationship with her mom and was never allowed to talk about Jesus. Hmm. And when she went there in 2017, knowing that her mom did not have long to live, her first words, her mother's first words to her as she came through the door, all the way from Canada to Australia, was don't talk to me about Jesus. Hmm. During that time there, this relationship that had been broken her whole life, that mother finally came to the place 
where she confessed to my friend, my senior friend, that she had aborted her younger brother mm. when Jane was seven years old. Mm. Jane, in the story, it's actually the last story in the book, she, she led her mother to the Lord Jesus Christ. Wow. Said, he'll forgive you, mom. No, he won't forgive me. She went on to lead her parents to the Lord, both parents to the Lord, because they did it as a couple. Mm. And four days later, her mom died. Oh. Went straight into the arms of Jesus. Mm. And then the father, the father went on to say, oh, your mom told you a lie. It wasn't true. Mm. But before the funeral, he called her and said, I have to tell you, it is true. She led him to the Lord, Angela, wow, wow. and he lived for eight months and became a memorizer of God's word wow. in the last eight months of his, of his life. And so I just shared that because that story just, it makes my heart pound because I didn't know how God, God's word was going to get woven into it, but that was one of the guidelines. God's mm. word has to be in the story. And then we ended up with the gospel being in that story mm, mm, mm. in this book. So even somebody reading can come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. Absolutely. Jesus so. And what a restorative God we serve, right? Oh. He, he takes our ruins and he rebuilds something beautiful. And not only, as you were saying that, I was thinking, you know, we know God forgives us. The word says, as far as the East is from the West, he remembers our sins no more. But we often live with the pain, the wound, the shame, and we don't forgive ourselves. And so I'm praying even for listeners who, you know, intellectually God forgives you, but you need to even forgive yourself for believing those lies, for making these choices that have haunted you. And you can be free. You can be free from that tormenting spirit. You can be free from that shame that wants to keep you back from who all that God wants you to be. So please reach out to Ruth. I'm going to put all of that in, in uh, my show notes. I love Ruth that you have a Facebook closed group that they can continue to find as a place of healing. I see you. There's a scripture, I believe it's in Isaiah that says, prepare the way for the people, remove the stones out of the way. Yes. And I see you spiritually removing stones that are, that are Mm. obstacles in people's lives for them to experience the grace of God freely, that these, these moments that were mile markers in their life somehow blocked in a way the freedom of God's grace flowing in their life. And I see you removing those stones with these stories. I'm going to ask if you would pray for our listeners, whatever God puts on your heart to just pray for them today, Ruth. Thank you so much. Oh, you're so welcome. Oh, Heavenly Father, we stand in awe of who you are. We just thank you that there's no sin too great for you. And we just pray right now for every listening ear, for moms, for dads, for grandmothers, for siblings, for all of those who have been impacted by even the word abortion or maybe even the procedure. Father, I pray they would not wait one minute longer to run into your embrace. I pray for them, Lord, that they would come to know the healing power, to know that by your stripes, all that you suffered for us, they can be made whole. And that you will not only forgive them, 
but you will remove their sins as far as the east is from the west. And then, Lord, you will fill that void once they have confessed their sin to you. They can begin to fill their lives with your word, with your truth, because each one, each listener is fearfully and wonderfully made by Creator God. And Lord, I pray for those that are grieving right now that you would help them to know that also in that Psalm 139, you also remind us that you have the days of our lives ordered. And this could be the beginning of a brand new look at who God is today. You are a wonderful God. And I just pray for every listener to come into the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and to live that abundant life, whether it's four days left or many years left. And we just thank you, Jesus, for all that you've done for us and the opportunity to share how great you are in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ, our Savior, our Lord, and our soon-coming King. Amen. Thank you so much for joining our conversation. I'd love to stay connected, so be sure to visit AngelaDonatio.com for my books, blogs, and free goodies. And find me on Facebook at Angela Donatio VOV and Instagram at Angela Donatio. If you've been inspired to make life matter, leave a review and subscribe at iTunes, cpnshows.com, or anywhere you listen to podcasts so you don't miss an episode. Until next week, let's keep discovering miracles in life's messy moments.